Take your Bibles, if you would, please, today to the book of Luke. I think I'm on. I'm not sure I'm on. Am I on? Uh, okay, finally, Brother Pickett woke up. Pizza was delivered, Brother Pizza. Brother, Brother Pickett's already after it. Well, it's good to see you today. I hope and pray that you're planning on being with us this evening in the revival. We'll be feeding everybody at 530, just so you can come straight from work if you'd like. And, uh, and then come right on to the meeting. And uh, we're trying to make it as convenient as we can and as easy as we can. But also, we do not have many meetings. We do just not want to take a lot of your time, so we do not have many meetings. But when we do have a meeting, I think you need to show up. I think it's planned of God, and I think God wants us to, to be here. And uh, you'll say, how long will the, meet the, the services last? you'll be able to watch one of the news programs when you get home because <laughs> they usually last all night. And, uh, but uh, you'll not find a better speaker, a better preacher than uh, Dr. Joe Arthur. You'll, you'll enjoy him. He was here last year, and he kind of preaches like a whirlwind. He just takes off and lands after a while sometime. All right. We want to talk about revival. And I'm going to read for you out of the book of Luke, chapter number 9. And I'll begin reading in verse 57 for your learning this morning. Revival, the word merely means rearranging your priorities. Re means again, vival to live. Revival means to live again. Revival is spiritual springtime. When the wintry clouds and the coldness of the religion gives way to new life in the springtime, when the birds begin to sing and you take notice and the flowers begin to bloom and you find out your lawnmower won't start. <laughs> That's revival, okay. The Bible says, verse 57 of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 9, And it came to pass, could I have your attention please? And it always will. If God said it, it's settled. It will come to pass. And the Bible says, And it came to pass, as they went in the way, that a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. Isn't that commendable? That is absolutely commendable. And Jesus says, well, let's see if you will. Jesus said unto him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my at home at my house. 
And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Here we read of personal aspirations in verse 7, 57 and 58. Personal aspirations. Lord, I will follow thee wherever you want me to go. Come rain, shine, hell or high water. This man is filled with personal aspirations of being what God would have him to be. And then we find another fellow that's filled with family obligations. Lord, let me first go bury my father. And then we run into another fellow who has social expectations in verse 61. But Lord, let me first go bid them farewell. If we have any hang-ups today spiritually, it will be in these areas. Could I ask you a question? Is 99.9% surrender sufficient? 99.9%. Well, that's almost 100. Is 99.9% surrender and commitment to Christ sufficient? Do you know that rat poison only contains 0.05 poison? 99.5% of rat poisoning is tasty and harmless. Only 0.5% of what's in rat poison kills rats. Revival is not dealing with the 99.9% you've surrendered. Well, I didn't know it was going to get so quiet or I'd have brought a funeral message. It's not the time you spend in church that's going to bother you. It's the time you don't spend in church. Could I please help you a little bit today? Our problem is not hesitating to admit anything. It is our ability and learning to justify everything. We're not hesitant, hesitant about admitting that we're sinners. It just don't make any difference what we do anymore. We can justify it. I'm sure thinking we're going to have a good time this morning. I think our Lord really knew the importance of priorities in our life. That's the reason he said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And that's one of the great, one of the great commandments. And I say to you today, what our church and what our country hold as a priority will determine our church and our nation's morality and character. Jesus made this statement, Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you. How many folk believe that? So this morning, I'm not, well, I know how that feels. If I were to do that right now, I think I'd pass out. Thank you for doing that for me. Because I need to sneeze in here. The quality of our living now, I believe, determines what we put first in our life. The problem is that we have put first last and last first. We have tied the cart before the horses, and now we think that the horses can push the cart, but they're built to pull, not to push. Notice what Jesus said here. And I'd like to just speak to you for about 15 minutes. How many believe that? (laughs) Jesus said, a certain fellow came to him and said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And then if you'll put that little conjunction in there that we use so often, but. Lord, it makes no difference where you're going. I'll go with you. But. Another one came to him and said, Lord, I will go with you. I want to follow you, but. And another one said, Lord, I will go with you, but. Looks to me like these folk must be part goat. Always butting somebody. You know what they say, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Next. Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Next. Lord, you'll be number one. Next. I'll be at every service in the revival next after I get my deals done. Next. I'd like to talk to you this morning on this thought. God never comes next. Somehow or another, we've got this thing mixed up. Somehow or another, we think we can live on the rat poison and let all the good stuff go. Somebody has us conned into the fact that next is all God expects from us. But if you notice something down through there, our biggest business is organizing priorities, prioritizing our priorities. The The first man said, Jesus, I will be what you want me to be, Next. And Jesus said, Oh, you want me to play second fiddle? Oh, you want me to get up on my little handy place in my shelf until you get around to doing your little dude, and then I'll be next. Jesus said, I want to share something with you, if it be all right with you. I do not come next. I do not play second fiddle. I do not sit in the second seat in the orchestra. I am either everything or I am nothing. 
Preacher, I don't know if that's going to work or not. And uh, I don't uh, know if uh, this is going to come out all right or not. And I just don't know. Preacher, I don't know what to do about this. And let me help you a little bit if it would be all right. I would like for you to realize that Jesus Christ and God Almighty is never, 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 never next. How many of you can say amen to that? I would like to talk to you this morning about God never comes next. No place in God's business for divided emotions. No place for anybody whose face is pointing one direction and his heart in another direction. No place. And why in the world is that so? Could I please say this? God has never put you next. Regardless what you might think of God, regardless what you might heard of God, regardless of what you might sing about God, God has never put me next. Not one time. Not one time. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Even before Adam and Eve blew it, there was a Savior. Even before Adam and Eve ever did their dastardly deed in the Garden of, Garden of Eden, even before Adam and Eve was ever a, a gleam in anybody's eye, God had already in his mind and in his program and in his purpose, he had already slain the Son of God before the foundation world. You and I were on God's mind even before creation. God knew we'd stumble. God knew we'd fall. God knew Adam and Eve would eat that apple. And I'll tell you, buddy, all of Adam, all of the devil's apples have worms in them. Every time you bite into the devil's apple, you'll always come up with a half a worm. And that's worse than eating into an apple and finding a whole worm. Because there's no, no uh, question about where the other half went. And all of us and all of we have been sold the bill of goods that as long as God's next, that'll be good enough. Jesus said, no, sir, I'll not play second fiddle. Not to your family obligations. Not to your personal aspirations. And not to your social expectations. I will not be next. Now, I know many of you have already planned to come to every service this week. Because there's no... 1% left in your life to surrender to God. Well, preacher, you don't understand. Now, it's not up for me to understand. It's up for you to make this fella understand. The one who said, no man having put in his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, it didn't look so bad when I was a kid because the plows that we used to use was tied to a horse. And it had a bull tongue on it, and that was one row, one furrow. And you could 
just go down through the field with that horse and you could just keep your eye on a certain spot at the end of the field and your row would be absolutely straight. But I'll guarantee you can tell every place the guy with the plow looked back. Because it's always a chink, always a curve, always a mistake. But now you know it's something else now that we're not plowing with horses. Now you're plowing with tractors with like 16 rows behind you. Huh? See, Daddy, you're not plowing for yourself. You've got some kids that call rows now, and they're watching you as you hold the plow. And you say, Preacher, what are you talking about? Buddy, if you've got 16 rows and you look back, you not only tear up one row, you rip up a bunch. And I'm saying to you, we better stop looking back. Because God never put us next. In the garden, he did not put us next. At Bethlehem's manger, born in a stinking stall, in the stench of cattle, you and I were on his mind. In Pilate's hall, as they cast across his back those cat of nine tails and whipped him until the blood ran freely down his back. He did not put us next. He was bearing our sins. He who was righteous became sin for us that we who were sinful might be made righteous in him. He has never put us next. Why in the world would a Christian put God next when he has never put us next? He did not put us next, bless your heart, in, uh, on the cross, on the cross. He said, it's finished. What's finished? Redemption is paid. It's finished. The sacrifice has been made. Everybody now can be saved. Whosoever believes in him can have eternal life. He did not put us next. Why should we put him next? And may I say to you that in heaven today, he has not put us next. The Bible said that he is able to save us to the uttermost. Those that come to God by him, for he liveth to make intercession for our sins. Today, as I preach to you, as you listen to me, as we make our excuses, somebody seated at the right hand of God serving as our attorney, being our mediator, going to God in behalf of us. And every time we stump and fall and falter, the devil points his finger and says, look at Gene, look at him, he's sorry. And Jesus says, Father, he's mine. He's redeemed. He's covered in the blood of the Lamb. He's got a home in heaven. He's one of mine. Thank God he did not, will not, will never put us next. And yet, tonight at 6.30, something huge will come up in your life. Yeah, 0.5% is poison. That's what's killing you. Pretty good rat poison. God said next is not almost sufficient. Somehow or another we think if we get real close to pleasing God, that's enough. Hello? 
You said, are you preaching to me? How did you guess? Why would you come to church and not want to get preached to? Why would you come to church and say, boy, he's after them today? No, I'll tell you what. I'm after that point five percent that's robbing God and robbing you of what God wants you to be. Don't worry about the 99.5%. That's not going to kill you. That's not going to hurt you. You're going to come and you're going to sing the songs, but you're going to complain about the ones we sing. <laughs> you're going to come and listen to the sermons if they're not too loud, but after about 30 minutes, it's all over. You've tuned it out and everything else. That is not what is going to hurt you. What's going to hurt you is that 0.5% that's causing you to put God next. That is what's going to hurt you. And I want to tell you something. Next is the most dangerous thing in our life. Next. Do you know the Bible said that a backslider in heart is filled with his own ways? Now, how do you know if you're backslidden? If you're getting mad at me right now, you're backslidden. Because I'm after your own ways. I'm, I'm hacking at that 0.5%. <laughs> hacking at that 99% plus one that's not surrendered to God. Let me show you something if it'd be all right. What is next? According to the Bible, next is idolatry. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Next. Lord, I'll do it next. Next is beginning of hog penology. Next is satisfied with one more night with the frogs. Next is the enrollment in Whale University. Next is laying our heads in Delilah's lap. Next is getting a haircut in the devil's barber shop. Next is spiritual adultery and fornication against God. Next is putting God on the shelf till we get our deal done. Next is to invite David's sorrows and heartbreaks and disappointments into your life. God said, I will not be next. And yet, we live as if 99.5% surrender to God is sufficient. When actually, that little 0.5% is what's got us in a bad attitude. What makes us find fault with everybody else. What justifies us missing church when just a few months ago, you would not even have thought of doing the same. Next. You know what's Next. I'm going to say amen, we're going to go home. <laughs> amen. 
You know why we need revival? Not 99.5%. The reason we need revival is 0.5%. That part that we've reserved for us. That part we're not willing to share with God. That part that we're not really ready to turn loose. Next is never, never almost satisfactory with God. Amen? I said amen. I need to close. You say, you surely do. Now I want you to don't, not, don't miss this, okay? Next, cancels all the blessings of God in your life. Wow. You mean I've lived 99% like God wants me to do and the 1% is going to cancel out all the blessings of God. For Samuel 2 and 30, it says, them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me, put me next, hang me on a shelf shall I lightly esteem. Now, I don't know why anybody get mad at me trying to get you into the blessings of God. Isn't that why you came to church today for me to give you a message from God? Why are you so silent today? I, uh, I th- Thought you'd be shouting and praising God. I just figured we'd have to knock four deacons off the chandeliers and swinging on them this morning after I'd spent all weekend praying and trying to get our church to get out of the next business. But next cancels all the blessings of God in our life. Next cancels the peace of God. How many Christians today are better at taking Valium than they are at finding a place in the Word of God that speaks about peace? Isaiah said, listen, and I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in him is everlasting strength. Ladies and gentlemen, is 0.5% of your selfishness worth the peace of God in your life? Man, I know in whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Can anybody say amen? And I'm willing to give all of that up for 5.5% of what I want to do. The best thing you can do is cancel your programs tonight. Either record them and come to church and give God everything so that God can trust you with what he gives you. And I will say to you, God will bless you for that. Amen. Amen. I went this past week for a test and uh, somebody said, is it serious? Yes. 
If it's on me, it's serious. If my thumbnail turns red, it's serious. If I stump my toe, it's serious. Just as serious as a heart attack or cancer because I know in whom I have believed. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My hope is all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Bless your heart. And I'm not going to go there and answer for 0.5% selfishness in my life. Next cancels all the provision of God. Next cancels the power of God. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall be witnesses. Hey, I want power in my life. I want power to overcome. I want power to sing when I'm hurting. I want power to go on when I don't feel like going on. I need power, power, wonder-working power. And there's power in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm going to give that up for 0.5% of what I want to do. Preacher, why are you having revival? 0.05%. You say, Preacher, you're crazy, but I'm having more fun than most. I read one time, but my God shall supply all of your need. Did anybody ever heard that? Yes. What if you got him next? Why should God provide your needs if you're a disobedient child? To provide for disobedience is to encourage more disobedience. And God will not do that. You say, well, what's stopping the prisoning? 0.5%. Well, I'm 99.9% surrendered. Oh, you are? Well, that 1% is what's keeping the blessings of God off your life. Provisions. My Bible says, if our hearts condemn us not, we have confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Because we keep His commandments to do those things which are pleasing in His sight, you mean to tell me, now let me ask you something. You mean to tell me that 0.05% disobedience in your life is worth God answering prayer? See, next cancels out the promises of God, the provisions of God, the power of God, the peace of God. You ever wonder why so many Baptists needs counseling so often? It's because next. God, you're next. I promise you, when I get my crops laid by, you're next. I promise you, when I get my kids out of school, you're next. I promise you, Lord, when I retire from that job, you're next. Lord, don't ever worry about it. You're number two in line. You're number two, Lord. And you can put it in your hat. You're next. 
I bet if you knew I was going to preach this, you wouldn't have come today. I'm not trying to hurt you, please. My, my, my calling is not to rag you. My calling is not to hurt you. My calling is not to manipulate you. My calling is to encourage and motivate you to do what God wants done so that God can do what he promised he'd do. You understand that? You say, well, preacher, my kid's up and gone, so I, I, I don't have to worry. But you got grandkids? My grandkids are just as important as my kids. Well, I don't know. I got two of them in the balcony. Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah, they are. Next, I close. There was a fella hanging on a cross beside our Lord. And this fellow looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Next. Next. Might have something to do with what paradise in your life. Not a, very, not a very big problem for a Christian to surrender 100% to the Lord when we realize how much he gave to us and how much he gave for us. But I do know one thing. Neither one of these fellows, not the first one, second one, or third one, was pleasing to God. I will, I will, I will. Jesus said, that's great. And then they said, Next. Now, have you got something planned this week that's more important than your relationship with God? It's not about having people saved this week. That's not what it's about. It's not about a big crowd or listening to one of the greatest preachers in America. That's not what it's about. This week, is about that part of your life that can justify putting God next. That's all it's about. It's prioritizing our priorities. And when that happens, there'll be a revival begin in your heart. And blessings that you have never experienced. A peace, a power, Provision and promises of God will come shining through. And all of God's people said, what's it all about? Now, some of you are not mad at me, but you are disgusted. That's about the same thing. (laughs) Some of you are saying, you were preaching to me. And yes, I was preaching to you. You remember me saying, if I'm in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. You know who needs revival? We need revival. How many of us? 100% of us. Because there's none of us that has not said either verbally, mentally, spiritually, Lord, I'll do that next.